Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It was Rosemary, my sister. She sat in the back booth, looking at me, or rather, into me. Her eyes were so blue they almost glowed, despite the contact lenses I could tell she was wearing, standing out against the haggard surroundings like bright colors splashed across an old black and white photo. They made everything around them unreal, inferior. I didn't know if I should smile or wave or what. I decided to just take off my fedora and slide into the seat across from her. She still stared at me even after I gave the server my order. I guessed I'd have to start things out. I, uh, I heard they put you in research, but I wasn't sure where. My words seemed too small for the moment, lost in the crush of so much wasted time. To me... She was the only other human being left on the planet. The only person who could ever understand me, relate to me. If I could have, I would have dreamt of this moment. Her ice-blue eyes began to melt into tears. Her smile was was like a vision of land after being lost at sea. Isaiah, it's so good to see you again. Her hands closed around mine. Despite myself... A tear slid down my cheek. I... (laughs) I hadn't cried since they pried our hands apart, when they took us away from each other so many years ago. It was good to know my emotions still worked. Good to see you too, Romy. I smiled. It was the name I called her when we were kids. Rosemary was a mouthful for a seven-year-old with a lisp. Her expression seemed divided between happiness and disbelief. When we were kids, she had bouts of paranoia, screaming, wake me up, the top of her lungs whenever life got too intense. She always looked at me like I was going to disappear if she took her eyes off me. I had calmed her as best I could, clinging to her until she settled down. But unlike before, I could see her sizing me up, taking me apart, analyzing. It told me a little about what she'd been up to. I was surprised that I remembered what she looked like, especially now that she was so much more than the little girl I defiantly shielded from the lab coats who always came to take her away, till the day they didn't bring her back. Somehow back then, we both knew the time had come. I took her hand that last time and refused to let go. I can vividly recall my grip, the moment it failed, 
how I'd been too weak to overcome. I'd made a career out of conquering that weakness. I've faced down devils of every stripe since then, and always come out on top. All except that one, that one time. The only time it mattered. She seemed lost in the moment, retreating into the same memory more than likely. I still knew her idiosyncrasies. I waited patiently for her to vacate her head. She finally came back. They like their petty games, don't they? Springing us on each other without warning. I didn't want to get sidetracked. How have you been? The question seemed to catch her off guard. I doubted if anyone had ever asked her that, given the business we were both in. Uh, I've been okay. They keep me busy. She paused, sorting something out. Most of the time, they have me working in a sleep lab. Dream-catching. She threw the term out to see how deep into the business I was. Chum in the water. Well, I was in plenty deep. And I sure as hell hoped they hadn't put her where I thought they put her. Either way, I wasn't biting. It's not the lab in New Vic, is it? <laughs> None other. Been there a while now. I could tell by her eyes that I'd betrayed my feelings on the matter, sending her to that god-awful place. I'm sorry. Anger and regret gripped me. She tilted her head, her eyes big and forgiving. Oh, it's not your fault, Isaiah. Neither of ours. It's just... it's... it's the world now. I've seen it do far worse to other people. Huh. I'm pretty sure you have too. I made a fist of my hand, the weak one, the one that let her go. I know, I just, I just wish, I just wish is all. It was all I could offer. I needed to tick. She could tell. Being courteous, she pretended to look at something behind me, allowing me to work at my eyes. I could remember back when we were kids, when I would always take the top bunk in the little white bedroom they kept us in. I'd tick all night. The sound of my hands tearing at my eyes, keeping her awake. I never slept. Well, that makes two of us. But here we are, together again. Her smile was forced, but it had the best of intentions. As my fist became something of a hand again, the occupants of the diner lifted from their seats and slowly filed into the storm, one by one, customers on a conveyor belt. The room went dark. Just a thin blade of amber light sliced into the room from a crack between the kitchen door and the floor. Along with the light, the sound in the room seeped away, storm and thunder vanishing, leaving only footsteps from behind the kitchen door. Then came the wispy voice of a handler, one I'd never dealt with before, probably brought on to uh, oversee my, our, new assignment. He, or it, was just a shadow clogging up what little light was left to see by. Winds that blow us apart can also blow us back together. Isn't that a lovely sentiment? The saying makes more sense when you recall the world is circular. And here we are, at the end of a closed circle, ready to draw a new one. Are either of you fond of fishing? Romy and I were silent. 
She was likely as used to the pointless blather of handlers as I was, so we waited until he clarified. There's a city called Meros, obtainable only by air or water, perched upon the shores of a small lake called Meros Bed. The place has proved itself a rather recalcitrant creature, refusing to be included within our efforts to construct fresh roads. Roads would reacquaint it with distant cities and bring it back into formal circulation, as was always intended. There's been issues with sabotage as well, chiefly. The dynamiting of those new roads that veer too close to the place, and the occasional disappearance of workmen who later turn up dead in ditches and drainage pipes. Suffice to say, Mero certainly seems to enjoy its independence. Perhaps too much. Most pressing, however, and the reason for your involvement, is that we have... Some reason to believe something other than merely the want to remain autonomous is funding the city's persistence. We sent discovery teams into the area a while ago, and they've only just recently sent back their preliminary findings. You can hear all the details for yourselves when you arrive at the Coleman Inn. I've had all the information that was turned over sent to your rooms. You'll also find tickets for your journey, and more than sufficient funds for whatever you might require, once you've reached your destination. The talking shadow receded beyond the scrap of light, and the outside world returned to reclaim its sound and fury as the thunder crashed. A car waiting just outside the door blazed its headlights into the empty diner. I shielded my eyes and turned to Romy. Looks like our ride's here. She didn't respond only staring blankly into the light. I suspected the moment was too much to take at face value. She'd only just walked into a diner to be suddenly confronted by her long-lost brother, and then immediately sent off on a mission to save the country. It was a lot to swallow, especially when you're in the habit of doubting reality on the daily. I gestured to the car to wait. Romy needed some time to get herself together. It didn't take long, her eyes becoming defiant refusing to squint against the light. I'm all set, Isaiah. She stood and walked past me out the door and into the car. Minutes later, my eyes bore into the darkness as the car turned onto a narrow side street. I turned down too many dark paths not to know where they can lead, the kinds of things that can be waiting for you. Not being behind the wheel made me antsy. I couldn't remember a time when I'd been in such a small place with two other people. At least not two other people who didn't want to kill me. My hand rested on my briefcase, where it sat between my sister and me. My fingers brushed the worn, familiar leather, comforting me. I knew I could have them out in an instant if I needed them. The thought only took some of the edge off. I think it was Romy who made me feel even more uneasy than usual. My big brother shtick coming back after all those years. I needed to protect her. Or maybe make up for not protecting her. I watched a drop of rain slide down the car window, merging with other drops as it went, till it disappeared into a blot of water slicking the bottom of the sill. I cringed at the thought of pondering the message, the effort I would have to put into decoding it, 
and then afterwards disillusioning myself of whatever tragedy it likely foretold. I opened the window a crack. The rain on my face focused my senses, allowing me to fight back the unreality of things, steadying myself. The context shift between the diner and the posh interior of the town car was jarring. The unapologetic, logicless scene shift of a dream. My brother persisted through it all, though, still sitting next to me, examining me with eyes made from winter, yet there was a warmth there, too, for his long-lost sister. The ride through the stormy streets was surreal, darkness punctuated by lines of wind-tossed lanterns, reality coming in and out of focus. Isaiah was silent for the entire trip, preferring the driver to not eavesdrop more than likely but I could tell he was eager to continue our conversation. The Coleman Inn was more of a motel than anything else. Just a line of small cottages standing side by side in the darkness and rain. The scene lacked physical context. Nothing beside the structures was visible. No street lamps, no moon. My mind swooned when the wind played through the unseen branches above my head. It was delicious. I wanted to lose myself to it. The driver stuck his gloved hand out the car window, offering us two keys. Isaiah took them and led the way inside as the car melded into the surrounding oblivion. My brother was my beacon again, relit from fires of the far-flung past. He opened the door to the cabin marked number seven, and we stepped inside. The small room was musty and sparse. The light was too dim for my tastes, a recipe for flights of fancy. Heaped in uneven piles on the bed were all kinds of media, tapes, videos, jump drives. My brother handed me the key for cabin eight and sat down in the small chair pushed into the corner. I figured I'd start things off. <laughs> them and their games. Reuniting us with all the pageantry of a chance encounter between distant acquaintances. It's always been their way. Always keeping the pressure on. See who cracks and who doesn't. It's their way of proving they're in control to us and to themselves. Indifference is always the prerogative of the master. Isaiah only nodded and pushed his briefcase behind the chair. I intended him to catch my eyes lingering on his... luggage. He apparently knew something about what I did. It was time I learned something, too. It, uh, helps me with my work. He paused, likely wondering if I wanted the rest of it or I'd let it lie for now. I let my silence help him decide. His eyes became little points of gray ice. I hunt exopsychotics. Been doing it for a while now. Pretty good at it, too. He slid the briefcase back into view. Tools of the trade. I'd been asked to do some sleep reads from more than a few exocrime scenes. In another life, they and I might have been family, all of us born on the wrong side of sleep. With his admission, it only took me a few seconds to put it together. The white briefcase. My brother's sleepless nights. Christ, Isaiah! You're the insomniac! 
The realization was profound, even if the deduction was only elementary. I felt like an idiot for not figuring it out sooner. His moniker was well known within the circles I moved in. The night hunter who never slept. His signature white firearms, the pale revolvers. The stuff of urban legend. Especially after it was rumored that he put an end to the salamander the most dangerous exopsychotic to date. Isaiah hadn't moved since I blurted my discovery, waiting to see how I might interpret his reputation, no doubt. <sighs> Sorry, just a little surprised is all. We were all following those weird fires in Dillinger City, how they couldn't be put out. Then, all of a sudden, they went out all on their own. Word trickled down afterward that Daniel Goines had been eliminated and that it was the insomniac, you apparently, who'd thwarted his aspirations to burning down the rest of the world. Yeah, the salamander. That's a long story, and not a particularly good one. Seems I've been chasing one crazy bastard or another since they fast-tracked me through Jericho. Hasn't been much of a life, but it's the only one I know. How about you? How long have they been keeping you in New Vic? <laughs> the higher-ups certainly weren't kidding around with Isaiah. Jericho wasn't an academy for just anyone. It was a clandestine institution, designed solely for dealing with the nastier problems presented by the post-noctum world, and dealing with them quite harshly. I've been with the Dream Lab for almost ten years now. After the darkness, interest in the good old city that always sleeps went through the roof. The theory, at the time, was that the place might have had something to do with the darkness. So they gathered anyone and everyone who might shed light on the subject. I was in the middle of my internship at Salence University when I was quietly pulled to the lead of the Piedmont Sleep Study in 09. After that, I was transferred to the Dream Lab in New Victoria. Full time, full funding, full speed ahead. Isaiah looked out the window, pretending to react to a distant arc of lightning, his right eye twitching fiercely. But he was only shielding his feelings on the matter, which were as dark and rageful as the storm, if not a good deal more so. Being born in New Victoria during the height of the Night Plague was less than ideal. Contagious dreams spawned inhuman things from under beds and from within the tortured wombs of hapless mothers. The streets were choked with the infected sleepwalkers, and the city became a waking nightmare. Between the military intervention and the crush of darksome somnambulists, Isaiah and I were found nestled next to our dead mother. A miracle birth. A miracle precisely because we were human. Or at least we appeared to be. <laughs> the jury's still out on that one. I had to get special permission once to even get close to the place. I was on a job and needed access to the northern wall. I have to admit, part of me wanted to see the place again, where I, we, were born. Got stopped by suits about a quarter of a mile out. Took my people over an hour just to get the whole thing straightened out. By the time I got a look at the place, it was twilight. Sky looked like blood where it scraped across all those crooked towers. Didn't even look real. All lit up with red light. Isaiah might have been aware of the lab, but it didn't sound like he knew much about what we did there, what went on in the city, what lived there, which was probably for the better. It isn't real, Isaiah. At least not in the way it should be. 
An awkward silence blundered into the moment, between the raindrops, lightning bolts, confessions. The immensity of it all catching us off our guards. The time and secrets that had piled up between us. Looks like the Discovery team kept themselves pretty busy. Changing the subject, Isaiah began sorting through all the media on the bed. He was right, naturally. It was better to sort through the case than to try to connect all our lost dots in the span of a single night. The materials were all dated, but were tossed on the bed in no particular order. It took me a few seconds to fish the earliest report out of the pile, an audio cassette marked, Marrow's Background. I held it up to Isaiah and slid it into the player next to the bed. After hitting play, I took a seat at the desk wedged into the corner and lit a cigarette. It was going to be a long night. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone, and the Sleep-Wake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of the Sleep-Wake Cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Maltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. For more information about the sleep wake cycle and the larger world of Maltopia, head over to Maltopia.com.